Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with Cohen, the dedicated OKR platform. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Casey Carey, Chief Marketing Officer at Kazoo. Kazoo is an employee experience platform, helping organisations create a strong, connected culture that attracts and retains the best and the brightest. I'm going to chat to Casey about using OKRs as the foundation for modern performance management. Before we get into today's subject, Casey, please can you briefly introduce yourself to our Giant Talk listeners? Sure, absolutely, Carly. Uh, super excited to be here and, and talk about this subject. Uh, yes, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer and also I would say the Chief Employee Experience Evangelist at Kazoo. Uh, spent most of my career in marketing um, through various startups, and including uh, a four-year stint at Google where, frankly, I really learned to become a great leader and a great manager and kind of feeds into uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Thanks, Casey. That's a good intro. So let's dive straight into today's um, subject. So in your experience, what are the factors driving companies to adopt a continuous approach to performance management? Yeah, so this notion of continuous performance management has been around for a while now, maybe four or five years. Uh, And it's seen varying degrees of success, but really kind of at what it does is reimagines or rethinks the performance management process. Um, if we look at the traditional approach of an annual performance review, like let's be honest, uh, it, it was never really very good. HR leaders dread it, managers and employees hate it. Um, even the numbers bear this out. Uh, Deloitte found that you know 58% of executives felt their current performance management process was highly ineffective. And as many as 90% of HR leaders um, you know, say they they don't think the process works, right? So we've kind of had this process that's been around for a long time, but we all admit that, you know, it's just not very effective. Um, and if you think about, if you, I'm sure most people have been through that process in some form or another, but if you think about that process, it tries to encapsulate an entire year of performance in a brief conversation, um, and what that results in is this extremely high stakes conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stress on the employee, a lot of stress on the manager. It's going to inform, um, you know, ratings, uh, exits, merit increases, promotions. It could literally be a career breaking conversation for some employees. Um, and and obviously, you know, <laughs> having something that important and that high stakes that gets that little of time and attention um, and tries to summarize over 2,000 hours of work just does not make sense in kind of any sort of world um, that we work at today. Um, But I think there's also a couple other things, Carly, that we should think about. Um, Beyond being super backward looking, um, it has a tremendous opportunity for biases to creep in, Um, whether it's recency bias, familiarity bias, confirmation bias, proximity bias. You can go down the mm-hmm. list of all the unconscious biases. Um, but, you know, you're, lim- you're dealing with a very limited set of information um, to make a really important, um, have a really important conversation about somebody's career um, and just wide open for biases to be a big part of that. Um, I would say another thing is it's just disruptive and burdensome. Uh, Deloitte, there's a famous article by Deloitte. They actually studied their performance management process, and they found that they were spending 2 million hours a year 
in performance management across 65,000 employees. Wow. And, um, you know, that's incredible when you think about it, particularly if you work in an organization that's basically built on billable hours. Um, that's unbelievable. But frankly, I saw the similar thing at Google. We would spend probably on average 10 to 20 hours per employee, um, and we did it twice a year. Um, so I had a team of 27. Um, I spent a lot of time mm. doing performance management um, activities. Um, so that's it. And then finally, I think uh, the new workforce, like this process just does not work for kind of the younger generations that are now in the workforce. Um, you know, I saw a great, great quote from a presenter who basically said, if you're conducting annual performance reviews with millennials, you might as well consider them to be exit interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger generations uh, want, want feedback. They want to know how they're doing. They want to know what their growth opportunities are. Um, they want to have those conversations and putting it off to an annual conversation just doesn't work for most of them. Yeah, no, and I think you definitely can't argue with the stats there. Ninety percent of of HR leaders, um, and that's that's massive. Um, and yeah, it's in, interesting the point you picked up on millennials. Um, you know, they're not going to be willing to to wait around for months or a year to to have that that important conversation. So, yeah, that's, I think you've definitely. Um, answered that question there so in in your opinion how does a goal management system like OKRs fit into a continuous management process yeah so let's talk a little bit about what a continuous management process looks like Um, I mean obviously it's continuous um, Mm -hmm. by definition Um, but what does that mean it means that those conversations are happening on a frequent and regular basis one of the good things about taking that approach is those conversations now become low stakes conversations, right? They're much more kind of micro conversations that have an accumulative positive impact over time um, versus kind of that one one time high stakes conversation. It's a process that's both manager and employee led. So HR kind of becomes the Sherpa <laughs> who guides the process, but it's actually owned and ran by the employees and the managers. So it's people first. It's not kind of top-down HR our first. Um, and I think the other piece is it brings in multiple aspects of the employee's exp- um, experience, right? So we're not only looking at um, the work that was done, but we're also considering uh, feedback they've received, their growth opportunities, their potential, um, how engaged they are in the organization. So we have a lot more information. We're looking at a lot more attributes and we're talking about each of those things on a much more frequent and continuous basis, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of much different than we would think about kind of an annual performance process. Um, if you think about, you know, kind of how it compares um, or, or fits with an OKR or goal management type of process. Um, so I think about goal management kind of falls on two ends of a spectrum on one end is kind of the, I would, I would call them the contractual obligations. We're going to sit down, we're going to agree to your goals. Maybe we don't agree. Maybe I just hand them to you. And at the end of the quarter, um, you know, it's kind of binary. Yes or no, you did or didn't accomplish them. And those are tied to your performance and ultimately your compensation. Right. So that's kind of the, the old school way of managing goals. You think about OKRs kind of on the other end of the spectrum, um, where it's very much, uh, you know, owned by and co-created by the employees and the teams throughout the organization. The focus is aligning strategy to execution, 
They're much more aspirational. Um, they're stretch, um, and they are, you know, ideally disconnected from compensation. They obviously inform or support those decisions, but they're not explicitly tied to those decisions, right? So, um, the notion of something like OKRs or goal management process are an important part of that performance management process, obviously. But as we think about um, continuous performance management, it's less about the contractual obligation part, and it's more about the kind of looking at all the work and potential that an employee accomplished and OKRs fit well with that. Um, I think about kind of when I do uh, kind of have my performance conversations, I, I put it into what I call the PERF model, um, P-E-R-F. Uh, the P is, you know, obviously performance. So I, it's a conversation about quality and quantity of work. Um, not did you accomplish your goal or not, but did the work you do, um, was it, a sufficient amount and was it of a good enough quality? Um, the employee's engagement, what's the amount of discretionary effort? Are their behaviors consistent with our culture and values? Um, you know, how well do they fit and collaborate within the organization? So that's part of the conversation. That's kind of the, we don't want high performing assholes part of the mm -hmm. equation. Um, Results and I think OKRs or goal management process fits really well here and informs this. And that is, hey, I could do a lot of great work, but at the end of the day, if it's not driving impactful outcomes in the business, it may not matter, right? So the an OKR like process helps create that alignment, creates the focus on the on the most important priorities, and then that's reflected in the performance conversation. And then the F is, you know, what's the future for this employee? Um, what are their aptitudes and competencies? What are their areas for growth um, within their role or the next next role or next level? Um, and how do we plan and, and execute against that, right? So it's a much more holistic approach to the conversation, but a goal management process like OKRs kind of inform and fit in as part of that overall approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. I think it's really important there that you touched on, um, you know, linking to compensation. Um, I think we could go into a whole podcast on why not to, <laughs> to link your yes. OKRs to individual performance. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after. But um, I think it's important to, to make that point. And, you know, the reason there's lots of reasons why that's obviously not a good a good thing to do. Um, so beyond OKRs, what are the other key components to the continuous performance management process yeah it's interesting right when john Doerr wrote measure what matters um he he talked about cfr right uh conversations feedback and recognition and he and he said that it gives okrs a human voice and i think his whole point was that okrs are awesome by themselves but you actually need these other things in place to really make okrs effective and make them work um it turns out, coincidentally, I don't think it was intentional, very similar um, kind of belief and approach around continuous performance management, right? Um, that conversations, feedback, and, and recognition are big components of a continuous performance management process. Um, so when we think about conversations from a CPM perspective, conversations start with one-on-ones. Um, and those are the frequent low-stake um, conversations that have to be in place um, on, a, on a consistent basis. Uh, for me personally, it's one of the most important meetings on my calendar. I hardly ever skip it. I may reschedule it, but 
those occur week in and week out um, because that's that's where it really happens. Um, and kind of leveraging that, that PERF model. Um, check-ins tend to be quarterly. Um, so check-ins ideally are a recap of the one-on-one conversations. So it's partly recap, but mostly focusing on what's next, um, both in terms of what our priorities as a business, what our priorities from an OKR or goal perspective, and what our priorities for you as a, a individual in the company and your personal development and growth, um, right? So check. And one of the things I just want to say, um, a lot of companies think that continuous performance management is just running the old process more often. So you're basically doing a crappy process more often, um, which is not going to get the outcome you're looking for. Um, so it's actually kind of rethinking um, how you have these conversations and and what is actually the nature of the conversations that occur. Um, and then finally, we advocate uh, what we call talent reviews. Um, so we use a nine box model. It's basically potential versus performance. Um, and we go through that process once a year where we discuss the entire employee population. Um, we place them within the grids. We calibrate to make sure that there's, um, you know, it's as fair and as unbiased as we can possibly do. But at the end of the day, we're not rating employees. We're not telling employees which box they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, It does inform merit, exit, promo conversations. Um, But it also drives, you know, people who are in the top talent boxes should have you know, kind of growth plans in place and people who are in the low boxes should have improvement plans in place. And, you know, so it really informs your overall people strategy. Um, but at the end of the day, the if you're doing continuous performance management correctly, an employee always knows where they stand, right? It's not, it's not in the quarterly check-in. It's not in the annual talent review. It's every week we're having conversations about, um, your performance, providing feedback, where your development opportunities, how are we making progress on that, et cetera, right? So, and it, it seems weird to say it if you've ever been kind of, you know, you spent 20 years doing annual performance reviews and then I look at myself, I have actually not either conducted or received an annual performance review in almost five years. And I, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Um, so, so I think that's really important. So we talk about conversations, feedback, obviously, um, within those one-on-ones. But I think there's an actual important part here that probably John wasn't thinking about, and that is peer-to-peer feedback will 10x any sort of manager to employee feedback. So if you can build a peer-to-peer feedback into your into your operating model, and that can be as simple as high fives and shout outs and just kind of building that as a as a culture and and value that you have, um, but you can also formalize it and add points and rewards and ways to amplify it, et cetera, right? So you can decide you know, how important and how much feedback you wanna put into your organization, um, but you can do that. Um, and same for recognition, um, you, know, um, <clears throat> you know, having recognition. So I think about feedback as often more the the constructive feedback recognition being the positive feedback, but you kind of treat them all the same. Mm-hmm. And so that neither one's good or bad. It's just feedback at the end of the day and that you have a system and process for, for making that consistent 
And then I would add one thing to John Doerr's model of CFRs. I would add incentives. And the notion of incentives is, you know, we have priorities in the business that we want to incentivize. Um, And I can incentivize that through spot bonuses, points and rewards, um, all kinds of ways I can incentivize it, but it allows me to make things important. So whether it's achieving, um, you know, KRs, whether it's, you know, supporting a social cause, whether it's wellness and and fitness activities. Um, There's various activities across the company that we feel are important and high priorities. So put an incentive process in place that kind of reinforces the conversations, the feedback, um, and the recognition as part of an OKR-based operating model. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned, and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours so I've got to say one of my favorite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process yeah um, in in series two I think it was episode three of this podcast we actually <laughs> spent about half an hour 40 minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team yeah um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly yeah you know even just things like adding a, a gift to, to your reflections add some real personality and I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team. Definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N.co forward slash giants where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. And I think just from listening to that response there, you obviously mentioned the word conversation quite a lot, which is important. And I was in my brain was just ticking and thinking in this new world of working for quite a lot of people, um, hybrid or complete remote workers, it becomes even more important. I mean, I obviously touched on culture and how important it is to look at your culture and, and values of your organisation, you know, with with your employees not being able to have that face-to-face um meetings and how important it is to have those check-ins um feedback and conversations um so i think that i think that's a yeah carla i think that's a really smart point right a lot of us as managers you know kind of got used to the hallway conversations being able to see people at their desks Mm -hmm. um seeing them in meetings and kind of being able to read their body language and all that yeah. stuff, right? So those become our default ways to you know, almost subconsciously assess performance. Um, and now that we don't have that, these conversations, things like having a goal management system, um, having peer-to-peer feedback and recognition all become super important as ways to actually replace that subconscious with actual stuff that is, is real. Yeah. And I think it, it can be, I guess, I can see how it's easy to let those, you know, if you haven't had your weekly 
um, catch up with whether it's a peer or, or a line manager, how they can sort of fall by the wayside. But I think it's just important to make sure you have those in place. Um, yeah, especially with you know, people working alone at home. Um, yeah. So that's obviously important as well. Um, so what are some of the factors that would impede an organisation's shift um, to a continuous performance management? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's hard. <laughs> For some organizations, it's harder than others. Um, I, I obviously, first and foremost, just resistance to change, right? Like mm-hmm. I think there's a quote, change would be easy if it wasn't for people. Um, but, you know, there's emotional attachment to the current process. There's kind of the, you know, um, just established way of doing things. I, I still remember like the first conversation I had with someone who said, you know, we're not doing ratings. What do you mean we're not doing ratings? I've always done ratings, right? Um, But once you understand kind of why and how, you're like, oh, that is so much better, Um, right? So there's kind of an education process that has to occur. um, And it impacts every employee, right? So this is a big deal, right? It is, you know, kind of change management at the highest level. And so I think being really good at change management is, is part of making this happen. Um, you can't do this if you don't have good managers. Like, like I said earlier, right, this, this pushes the burden down or the responsibility or the accountability down to the managers for managing performance. Yeah. And a lot of managers historically have thought of that as um, making sure the work gets done. Um, that's a small piece of a continuous performance management model. Um, it is actually moving to being a coach, um, being much more of a leader, being able to provide and receive feedback, being able to focus and spend time on developing and growing your employees versus micromanaging the tasks, right? So it's a different management model. And I think companies who don't understand that or don't make the, the, the investments in their managers to set them up for success will struggle with moving to a continuous performance management model. Um, and then the last piece is, and we've talked a little bit about this already, it's culture, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, there's cultures, and I've seen these and talked to these people, where it actually will not work, um, right? It's just a culture, and it's it's similar to, you know, kind of if you were to say, well, like, what kind of culture do you need to get the most out of OKRs that would be very similar kind of adjectives you would use to describe it, right? It's um, mm-hmm. It's intellectually honest, um, you know, it's change oriented, it's um, empowering and trust-based, um, it's accountable, it's transparent and open, right? It's all those things that, yeah. I mean, a lot of modern, particularly kind of tech and knowledge work that companies are building or have these type of cultures, so that's great. Um, but if you're, if you don't have that culture, you're more in kind of a legacy business where, it's hierarchical, um, it's top-down, it's bureaucratic, it's heavy process, it moves slow. Probably not going to be successful with continuous performance management. Yeah, and that's really important to, to mention about the culture. And it's not an overnight process to change the culture of an organization. Not at all, right? And, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, I've had these conversations where it's like, oh, we want to move to CPM. We think it's the best thing ever. And I look at the organization and say, mm, like, mm, you're not ready, yeah. right? Like, you're just, you're not going to get there. And I think it's the realization as well um, in the time, like, the, the investment in time that's needed, um, you know, 
it's not yeah it's not overnight um it's not going to work for you the same as it works for another organization you know it, it's how it fits your individual um business but but yeah you definitely need that that buy-in from from the leaders as well um so yeah it's it's not an easy one as you said and and can do you think okrs can support the shift yeah yeah i, th- I think so i think there's probably two parts to that question, right? There's the the meta part of it, which is, hey, you could actually set OKRs around the initiative over time to make sure you're getting the outcomes you're looking for um, as part of that shift. Um, so it's just a way to to manage that shift. But I think more kind of more more so, you know, OKRs are I almost look at them as the foundation of the CPM process, um, and that they. They inform and set the strategies and priorities for the work to be done, right? So it provides that clarity, creates the alignment um, and the expectations for the employee. At the end of the day, the employee needs to know what they need to do to be successful. Um, and OKRs help help with that part of that conversation. Um, I think also, though, that if I think about kind of the first principles of OKRs, um, you know, clarity of process, um, transparency, outcome focused, um, being able to manage fast, that they're iterative and agile. We're doing retros. We have a growth mindset. Um, all those things fit really well with a CPM process. They support and are not, you know, misaligned with the CPM process. Um, you know, personally, um, and everybody kind of has a different approach. I can't imagine doing continuous performance management without having OKRs in place. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not, it's just, you know, kind of, like I said earlier, it's not um, explicit connection to performance, but it's mm-hmm. definitely the foundation that informs a lot of the conversations, a lot of the feedback, the recognition and the incentives that we put in place as part of that process. Yeah. Of course. And what does the change process look like for organisations looking to make the switch? Is is it um, all or nothing or is there a middle of the road approach? Yeah, interesting question. Like I said, it's hard. Um, the change process is hard and, and very seldom will you completely rip and replace, um, right? It's just it's too disruptive. So a lot of organizations kind of have a journey that they will go on. Um, you know, and I always um, caution them in that they are very different things. Like you're going from an apple to an orange. They're both fruit, but they are very different things. Um, you know, so there's kind of anything in the middle is a little uncomfortable because um, you're kind of hope- hopefully you might end up with, you know, the best of both, but you're probably going to end up the worst of both approaches at the same time. Um, I would say the the best way to do this is to activate it at the manager and employee level, right? So you could keep your annual review process, but let's actually enable um, our managers, employees to start managing on a continuous performance basis. Let's put one-on-ones in place. Let's put check-ins in place. Let's work on our culture. Let's make sure our managers have the skills that they need. Um, let's build out our feedback recognition um, approaches. Let's put incentives in place, right? So you can start building kind of the core components of a CPM model under an annual performance review approach, right? So at the end of the year, your annual performance review looks like kind of a summary of all the stuff that's happened every week. 
um, which is awesome, right? That's actually significantly better than what annual performance reviews have historically been. Um, but then you kind of ultimately would wean yourself off of, you know, kind of ratings and that annual performance review process um, with the employee and get to the point where, like I said earlier, the employee actually knows where they stand. They know what's what their performance looks like. They know what they need to do to move forward. Um, and there's actually very little value in an annual process at that point. And it actually becomes more of an administrative process around um, merit increases and, and those types of things. Yeah, I like how you said weaning yourself off, weaning yourself off these um, <laughs> annual appraisals. I think it's it's um, a good way to go about it um, for those organisations that are so used to doing doing it that way. Um, and one thing that I've learned from listening to people like yourself that use OKRs like day in, day out and have a lot of experience um, and understand exactly how they work and, and the benefits um, is that some mistakes people make when starting out with OKRs is setting lots and lots of them um, and becoming yes. overwhelmed. And I think it's good to start small um, and that's something that I've been talking to various guests about on, on the podcast. So just linking on to that, um, I'd like to ask you for, I guess, one piece of advice. And you've already given a lot throughout this podcast, but one piece of advice you'd give to a company that you know wants to move to CPM, um, in particular using OKRs. Um, yep. Yeah, one piece of advice to get going on, on their OKR journey, I guess. Yeah, I guess my piece of advice would be don't think about this as, you know, an initiative or a project. Um, this is people's strategy at its heart. This is ultimately thinking about and saying people are one of our most, if not our most important asset in the company. They can actually give us a competitive advantage. Um and that we're going to actually have a well-thought-out, intentional strategy to take advantage of that asset and get the most out of it. Um, I think a lot a lot of types of these things, um, it's an HR initiative or it's a CEO initiative, and it gets some momentum. And you look back nine or 12 months later, and it was kind of a flash in the pan kind of thing. Um, if you're going to do that, I would say don't bother. Um, mm -hmm. If you're committed to real change and actually making this a strategic part of your business, then you will see the rewards from it. Yeah, and I think just to jump on that, it's yeah, like you said, it's not they're not something like OKRs and that's something that you can just set and, and leave and um, hope that they just look after themselves. It's that constant check-ins, looking back retrospectively, um, and I think that's really important. Thank you, um, Casey. So massive thank you for joining Giant Talk today. It's been yeah. really insightful to, to talk to you, so thank you for, for joining. Um, as always, we'd love to hear from you, our Giant Talk listeners. Please leave us feedback on your preferred podcast platform or email us at growth at com. Thanks again, Casey, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Giant Talk. Thank you.